Save That Television proudly presents America's favorite kid show host, Rainbow Randall. So you'll make sure my boy dances up front, right? Gets to sit in the chair. You want your little booger eater on my show? Meet Randolph Smiley. He once was rich. He once was famous. And he once was sane. Rainbow Randolph is the man. Yes, oh, yes, he is. They kicked me out of the corporate penthouse. I'm homeless. I can assure you, this network cannot survive another Rainbow Randolph. Don't hit me! Please, stop! Salmonella! Sir, it is my personal mission to find a satisfactory replacement. Get me smoochy. You're telling me that Kidnet is finally ready to pursue a show of smoochy caliber. Hey, it's smoochy! Come on! Hello, New Jersey! You. I love you! Now. My body was barely cold and you went to work for the rhino. I gotta eat, don't I? The only way to take back his career is to take down his replacement. In this jungle. Going on safari. Safari. Hunting season. What's this? Trust me, Sheldon. It's a handy accessory to have in this business. Never ends. Game of back now and forever. <laughs> What's up? Robin Williams, Edward Norton, Danny DeVito, Catherine Keener. What is it all me? Death to Smoochie. Okay, welcome to Movie Night Extravaganza. That one scene fucking cracks me up that's in there where it's uh, the guy going, save the rhino, save the rhino, and Rob Williams tackles him and starts hitting him on the ground, and he's like, no, save Rainbow Randolph, save Randolph. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good movie, and uh, it's really an interesting uh, it's interesting in so many ways, uh, and it really allows you to get into a lot of interesting discussion. So, I, I mean, just to set the scene, I chose the movie, so, I mean, this is my choice. But, um, you know, it comes out in February 2002, so it's a few months after 9-11, um, and it's sort of oh, in yeah. this moment. Uh, it's it's not only a few months after 9-11, it's a New York movie, a very New York movie right with after the, 9-11. With a shot of the uh, World Trade Center in it. Yes, like very, like, chosen shot. Um, but it's it's interesting for a lot of ways. I'll just throw them out there, and then we could talk about whichever one you guys find interesting. One, it's like Wait, part so, of this. So let me let me introduce everyone first. Let me, let me oh, sorry. Dan Bessner taking over I, the show I, like he's John Barber over here. Yeah, I, I have to I have to go. So I wanted to give as much good content as possible. Sorry, yes, no, All right. Please, well, I'll do this. We'll make it quick. It's, we'll uh, it's episode sixty nine. Nice. You know what I mean? Uh, I am joined by Jay Andrew World. You know, co-host artist uh you know mascot of the show really um pretty much <laughs> uh conan neutron or protonic reversal and conan neutron and the secret friends uh you know musician podcaster and of course get it <laughs> and, and randy rainbow uh, no uh, randolph rainbow uh coat enthusiast rainbow rainbow exactly. rainbow neutron it's like actually a funny <laughs> name for a kid show host and of course dress, dress for the job you want yeah. <laughs> yes Daniel Bessner, co-host of American Prestige Podcast, a podcast I've been listening to during this uh, Russia-Ukraine crisis way too fucking much, like literally every time you guys post an episode. Um, and contributing Thank editor, Jacobin, also a fellow at the Quincy Institute, right? I didn't I didn't yes. write that down, but Quincy yeah. Quincy Institute, yes, precisely. 
All right, so you can go. You can go ahead. Yeah. So sorry. So I had a little monologue prepared, and I wanted to throw some uh, some ideas out on the table. So one, it's interesting comedically because it's sort of in this transitional moment pre Judd Apatow, but post Ferrelli Brothers, where comedy is in this like really sort of weird. There's not there's not a gigantic person who's on the scene. Um, a, a similar comedy from around the same time, which actually has a relatively similar tone, and is also in New York movies Zoolander. So we could talk about it in sort of oh, this yeah. like weird transitional comedic moment. Um, it is also part of that uh, sort of second career that Robin Williams had where he would do a one hour fo photo or I don't know if you guys know World's Greatest Dad by Bobcat Goldthwait, which is one of the darkest movies I've oh, ever seen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah if you haven't seen it. American Dreams with a Z. Yes. Extremely like dark. Ones. Yeah. Uh, and starring Robin Williams. And then you have um, this movie. Uh, and then it's also, you know, in, in one of the last. Um, not last, I shouldn't say that, but one of the great New York movies of the 2000s. And it's also one of Danny DeVito's only directorial um, outings. So there's a lot we could talk about, but I just wanted to raise. That's why I chose it. It's a very interesting movie. He also directed uh, Throw Mama Off the Train, right? That was him. That I believe so. Yeah. I think he might have only directed those two. And I think he did sure. Matilda or he did a kid's movie. Uh, I, I, uh, is that the kid's movie? This is the kid's movie he did. <laughs> uh, this is not the <laughs> uh, but no, no, he actually did a little oh, bit, and, and I think we had that on DVD with uh, when I was a kid. Uh, when my kids were small, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. we didn't have DVDs when I was a kid, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I wanted to play this as a couple minutes, but I wanted to play, um, just to give context to what you're saying about you know, this kind of being in that time space, like to give it a perfect uh, you know, encapsulation, I think, of where we are in history when this movie comes out. Um, I have Robin Williams talking to David Letterman uh, doing promo for this. And they start, he starts off with like a good two minutes of, that I had to include of, of Bush Cheney jokes. Um, so I felt like this was the perfect, uh, you know, starting, starting clip. And then I, I cut the part where he talks about, he very, he barely talks about the movie at all. He's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good movie. Yeah. Good. All right. Uh, <laughs> wants to talk about anything else, I guess. How do you think things are going? Because, uh, you, you know, before the the country was attacked, everybody was sort of making fun of uh, Cheney and, and Bush and so forth. And, and then because of the attack, everybody sort of rallied behind them right. and, and had, needed to demonstrate support. How, how do you think things are going well, now? I think we're up to Bush 2.0, which is good. You know, he... <laughs> it came with certain problems in the word processor. Remember that? We... Yeah. Will not let this country be taken hostile. Hostage. <laughs> I've noticed that uh, George doesn't speak while Cheney's drinking water, you know? <laughs> you know, there's been, there's been some fun things like uh, W waving at Stevie Wonder. That was <laughs> Even Stevie's going, oh man, this can't be true. The thing that frightens me the most is, you know, he almost died from the pretzel at that point. Oh, that's you know, right. Yeah. At that point, Secret Service is going, game's over, man. <laughs> Gilligan's down. Gilligan's down. <laughs> and even his dog, you know, he had the dogs. Yeah. Even his own dogs were licking him for the salt. <laughs> <laughs> you need a dog like Lassie to go. <laughs> what's wrong, Lassie? <laughs> what else? What else? What's wrong, Lassie? <laughs> Mr. Cheney's meeting with the Enron people? <laughs> We're gonna have to put you down, girl. <laughs> uh, 
about the, the Enron thing? You know anything about that? It don't make any sense to me. I don't know what's going oh, on. Oh, no, it's that kind of uh, the Bank of Bermuda Triangle, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, suddenly your finances disappear. <laughs> find your money, find your money. There's your money, there's your money. <laughs> oh, Kenny boy, the feds, the feds are coming. <laughs> Invested on a Monday and the money's gone. Enron, run, run, Enron, run. And uh, Osama bin Laden, the thing today was that there was a, a newspaper in Great Britain gets an email from the guy. From Osama? Well, that's Or Sam.com? <laughs> I think someone was on your show saying, how difficult it is to find a six foot five Arab on dialysis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just look for someone connected to the luggage, number one. <laughs> or maybe a camel dragging a little cart. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that is pure untapped Robin Williams. That's yeah, it a, gets into, uh, you know, I, it gets into kind of offensive territory after that where he's making a lot of, no. a lot of Arab jokes. In yeah, the extremely yeah, unwoke. Yeah, yeah it's very of its <laughs> moment, you know, post 9 yeah. 11 racism. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that, that, <laughs> I was going to make that, a very unfortunate joke, so uh, never mind. I'm not even going to say that because. That's just yeah, you're, you're going to be the next Robin Williams. Oh. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say that clip should come with the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's record. Go ahead. <laughs> no, so I wanted to, you know, as, as you cue this up, uh, like I wanted to, um, you know, play that because I think that's a perfect encapsulation of where America was during the time this movie came out. I actually had totally forgotten about Bush choking on the pretzel too, which is kind of funny. But I think that, um, and, and, you know, Matt Crispin's talked about this a lot um, on Chapo where, you know, uh, 9-11 was kind of, and I think you you did too. I listened to Hinge Points when you guys did the one on 9-11. And, I think like, the idea you're going to say is actually my idea, but I wasn't going to correct you. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, then, then your idea that the, the Enron scandal, right, like that, you know, seemed like it was going to kind of bring down the Bush administration or people in the Bush administration in its first days kind of gets completely overshadowed by, uh, you know, by 9-11 happening. And then Bush's, you know, uh, his, his approval rating kind of soaring to like 90% when, number one, he had started as kind of, I mean, not, you know, it was like dead heat between Bush and Gore, as everybody knows, like that's like the election that might, may or may not have kind of gotten stolen. Like, uh, you know what I mean? So it's like that that moment uh, with the kind of unpopular president who all of a sudden jumps to this 90 percent. And, you know, it's very hard to make fun of him during that time period. Um, I think by 2002, when this, uh, you know, when Dustin Smoochie comes out and they're doing this, um, this, you know, like the, the press for it or whatever, I think you could just start to make fun of Bush again. And people were just starting to remember Enron. But, like, you know, Enron was now overshadowed completely by, you know, the race to war and a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, the only one who lost their job because of Enron was Gray Davis, frankly, which that's part of – talk to me about the rolling blackmail. Not on this show right now, but, like, talk to me about it sometime. I'll tell you all about it because I was right there for it. But it, but it is kind of crazy to think about, right, that, like, John Stewart was on the upswing but not quite at the level of – you know, kind of like, oh, he's the only truth teller of our time that he like uh, <laughs> later was had ascribed to him uh, with with the Daily Show and it's in its classic form. Yeah. So, so Danny, I just wanted to hear. You know, I mean, if you have, if you have like something else prepared, uh, I just wanted to cue that up because you know, as, as history guy number one, uh, I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting um, movie, particularly become. I, I'm from New York. Uh, are any of you guys from New York? I'm in New York right now. I'd I'm from Oakland there too. Oh, I nice. mean, I was, yeah, no, I was, I was, we moved, um, we moved upstate. I mean, I'm an hour and a half from the city, but we moved upstate from Brooklyn. Um, 
like I think two years before uh, 9-11 happened. But yeah, so was, I was like a, a full adult, not full adult, I guess I was 16 in New York, but it was very like a, a moment where, where New York w- was very much put in a, in a positive light. You know, you had all this pro-police, pro-fire department. Everyone really loved Mayor Giuliani. Um, you know, it was a city that was traumatized in a genuine way with America's mayor. Photos. America's <laughs> mayor, yeah. With all of the these sort of um, photos over the all over the place of missing people and everyone knew someone at least who, who knew someone who passed away or something. Everyone had their stories. Uh, and what I what what's funny about this movie is like it ex- it's an extraordinarily dark take on New York. Um, mm-hmm. And it's also uh, a take on a New York that was already by 9-11 disappearing, particularly with the um, the mobsters, you know, and, and the mobsters having a say in corporate goings on. Uh, this is a New York that really would disappear with Michael Bloomberg and the financialization of the city. So it's it's, it's one of my favorite New York movies, um, not only because it, it takes place in New York, but it also takes the outer boroughs seriously. I believe he's in the Coney Island methadone clinic. Um, yeah. at some point and um, they go That's to the outer boroughs the, uh, with the ice show yeah, yeah exactly and, the, yeah and they go to the outer boroughs um, throughout a lot of the movie so I think it's actually an underappreciated New York movie um, and uh, I, I just think it's uh, it occurs at a really interesting place in the city's history yeah and I think it also occurs at a really interesting place um, in the history of kind of consumerism and my like when I was watching this yesterday because I watched it as a kid uh you know, when it when it first came out, my my grandpa I remember had the VHS of it, and he was like kind of out like his house was in the middle of nowhere in Maine. And uh, why did he have a VHS of this? What an interesting choice. That's a, that's a very bizarre choice. Yeah. <laughs> well, we would go to library sales, and people would just give up their stuff, and there was like right, and he'd get it for cheap. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody somebody ordered off a of Columbia House or something, and didn't Columbia watch it and realized, oh, I didn't want this movie. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. So, you know, I didn't really register this at the time. I don't know if anyone could have really registered this. I mean, I watched it way too young. Um, it just was there, and I was like... I, I, I just can't believe that you said you watched it as a kid. It's like, yeah, I was already touring by that point, so okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know, yeah. whatever. We've got the but first so, time this so, brought up. So it hits at this moment of kind of the idea of, like, ethical consumerism, right? Like, people are tired of consumerism throughout the 1980s and 1990s, and, you know, like, the tech utopia had kind of failed by this point, and, like, the big uh, dot com bubble had burst, and like you kind of see that in the very beginning, where they're like, where he has the website, and he's like, um, he's like, oh, go to go to you know randyrainbow.com or randyrandolph.com, and he's like, uh, wow, rainbowrandolph.com. <laughs> <laughs> he's thinking about I I hate the fucking the first thing that pops into my head is uh Randy Rainbow, the fucking like sleeping with Cuomo guy that was like, <laughs> <laughs> but no, so rainbowrandolph.com, and he's like, it's not free. You know what I mean? Like putting that disclaimer on it. Like by that point, the internet had fully been embraced as a consumer technology, no longer as like the utopian right. 90s vision of it. And Which was top- huge and, and is ne- is almost never discussed. Like the fact yeah. that like the internet did not used to be a fucking mini mall. Yeah. To put it bluntly. And yeah. so you kind of have that and you also have um, at the same time, like, you know, things like, you know, soy dogs and gluten-free buns that, uh, you know, that, 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 um, smoochie uh is obsessed with right like like the organic fair trade like people wanting this idea that you know by by buying things they're being ethical like ethical consumerism and then you also have the dark side of you know uh decades of history especially in new york city but like you know where the mob was infiltrating stuff and everything had to be a a product it didn't really matter like all the money was kind of seen as like you know being incredibly unethical and they're you know they're selling kids caffeine they're selling kids 
which is fucked up that there's like a cola that they're selling to kids like you know but but like none of this stuff is really registered and then because i don't think that you can ever say that somebody like uh randy rainbow or fuck rainbow Ray, rainbow randolph is kind randy of- rhodes from ozzy osbourne's <laughs> band is that who you're talking about yeah listen I, right, I, I got woken up by that fucking work outside again so i'm not in my best state of mind um this morning i couldn't go back to sleep so, yeah, so randy travis go on <laughs> yeah Rainbow Randolph is someone who is of that time where there is no idea of ethical consumerism. You're literally just selling shit to kids on TV. And you're kind of seeing the, the entrance of somebody like uh, like Smoochie, you know, that character that like actually wants to have a positive message. Things are so dark and so bleak at that point um, in general, like all of this stuff has failed. And people kind of are like, well, listen, we're not going to stop buying products, but we want to feel good about the products we're buying. He's kind of a prototype of that. Yeah, kind of it's... <laughs> it's a very boomer versus Gen X um, conflict and plays out as such. And like very Gen X, there's no solution just to do corporations better. You know, it's the yeah. ultimate sort of solution. It's very capitalist realist in that sense is that the only alternative is that like now the corporation supports Smoochie or you just opt out like Nora at the end and become a figure skater or something along those lines. Or you, or you get the hot, do- the hot dog place to, uh, you know, to sell you soy dogs. The vegan like, dog. Yeah. Whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. 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 Um, this, in um, Coney Island. When did uh, Naomi uh, Klein's book, uh, No Labels, come out? No logo? Around no, then, I think two thousands. Yeah, uh, around early two thousand. Yeah. it's kind of in the zeitgeist. Ninety nine, December ninety nine of, uh, of that uh, of the of this era. Yeah, yeah. Adbusters, um, so, you know, that was yeah, Adbusters, all that. And everyone's like, "What 90s. was that?" I'm like, "Well, they basically came up with Occupy before there was Occupy, and that's about the only thing I can really say about it as far as lasting intent." But like, it's yeah, and it, it was, was a good like magazine. WTO. Yeah, yeah. I mean, stuff. it was it was good, and it was a it was a literal magazine that you could hold in your hands that was not a zine. It was a professionally published magazine that you know, yeah, which satired the the culture too. Yeah. But uh, but starting, I guess, from the beginning of this, right? <laughs> Correct. Like you have, yes. You have uh, you know, Rainbow Rainbow Randolph. I'm just gonna keep my like my notes right. in front of me. So, so we had Randy right. Rhodes and uh, <laughs> Rainbow Salmon. You right? have Rainbow Randolph. Uh, you know, showed from the very beginning talented he's got a stage presence as michael brooks would say about like alex jones you know what i mean like he's a talented like he's a talented broadcaster but a completely unethical person um and he has you know his entire uh course line of uh, little people which i have to believe that like you know danny devito thought was kind of hysterical because he's so like you know he's he's like what four foot five four foot eight like yeah i think he's like four nine um yeah, I, I think they also like deliberately made Rainbow Randolph like super unwoke. Like th- there are a lot of like um, uh, uh, like off kilter things that he said throughout the entire thing. They they made him sort of like um, a strange guy, I think, on purpose. Uh, and I think sort of that was the whole vibe of the rain, sort of the surreal uh, surrealistic thing, which is actually kind of interesting because who was that night? The guy in the UK, the children's TV show host. Who had been like a pedophile for decades? Oh fuck, uh, Jimmy Savile. J- Jimmy Savile. So this is kind of interesting because it kind of like um, I only know that because of John Oliver doing a whole thing on him. When... <laughs> right. That's it right, kind of like foreshadows that, yeah. that you know, sort of like it's it's such an interesting choice to make the world of children's TV hosts 
you know, sort of this seedy place. And obviously I think that's very nineties in a sense, it's a reaction to Barney. And that was like a big thing in the early nineties and mid nineties. And this sort of comes after, but there's a lot of really interesting choices and it's just directed like nothing I've seen. It's like a, it's like a German expressionist film. It totally is. 1928. Yeah. It's really beautifully directed. It's also um, weirdly satirizing uh, like Goodfellas. Like they have the thing in the beginning where it's the dark red, like Scorsese did in Goodfellas where, uh, you know they're they're digging in the thing like I have expected uh I've expected them to fucking bury the bury uh uh what what's his, well he goes by Mucci you know at the, at the end of it but Shoot, I uh, expected, Spinner 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 yeah, Gavin yeah right? no I have expected them to bury Spinner and then to see fucking Ray Loyota and Joe Pesci being like hey what do you want the arm of the leg like or the arm of the wing like when he when he throws up in Goodfellas like it's it's purposely I think shot with that kind of lens to it. And it definitely kind of, pitched it as Goodfellas, but with children's TV show hosts. Yeah. There's no way that wasn't the pitch. <laughs> well, and there also was this idea, especially with Mr. Rogers, of like, well, he can't all be wholesome. Like, what if he's a real, like, you know, jackass in, in real life? And like, <laughs> he wasn't. But like, that that's always was something that, you know, the entire time Mr. Rogers was around is always like, well, he can't be all good. You know, like everyone like, almost wanted him to be like more like have a dark underbelly or something along those lines. And Although so he did have a good sense of humor. Did, did you hear about that one? One time somebody put a uh, blow up sex doll in the closet. So when he reached in for a sweater, they handed that to him and he pulls it out during one of the takes and just, no. you know, thought that was hilarious. Um, and, you know, just went on after that. Well, there's, that yeah. there's that moment where he testified for PBS in front of Congress and like ends up convincing uh, a bunch of like Republican congressmen that wanted to strip them of their funding that like, no, like PBS is, that, is, not, is an actual resource that like we need. And he like passionately displayed that. Um, no, so, so what I was actually going to say before Andy brought yeah. that sex doll story up uh, is that uh, there, there's also uh, the Michelle Gondry, uh, Jim Carrey vehicle where it's sort of like, oh, what if Mr. Rogers, but sad, uh, but it's, it's good. Like it, it, it's well done. But like, I think that there is a certain fascination between like a character like that. Right. And again, I think you're right. Barney is like, you know, Barney was like, believe me, Barney was ubiquitous around that time. It was pretty hard to avoid <laughs> if you didn't have kids. Uh, but like the idea of like taking the pastiche of both of these and like having to be like, oh, these are like rivals and like, you know, they they both kind of suck. Uh, you know, or, or one one of the guys that is in here kind of sucks, and one of the guys is kind of more on the corruption train, like of like you know, oh, is he going to be able to stick to his ideals? Blah blah blah. And you know, it's a heady concept for a movie ostensibly about children's TV show hosts. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, no matter what, right? There's always somebody behind the. It's like a mask, and there's always somebody behind the mask. And you know, growing up with people like Mister Rogers or like Sesame Street, where you kind of don't know who the fuck you're actually looking at, like you know, it's puppeteers, but. I mean, Jim Henson was kind of seemed like a actually way cooler than what I thought he was going to be like as a kid. Like we, you know, we watched him talking about uh, um, Dark Crystal. We watched him talking about Labyrinth. Um, all the, all those Dark Crystal and like Labyrinth extras are like fantastic, especially the uh, the Dark Crystal ones. It's sort of like, wow, I just wa guys watch a movie of this of them making this movie because it's insane. So yeah, he, he was yeah. he was really uh, super talented. And uh, I mean, just in relation to what everyone was saying, like the color palette of this this movie is really beautiful. It it really is a pastiche in a lot of ways. I think Conan hit the nail on the head because in in some sense it's filmed like a noir, but it's not really structured like a noir. There's no like PI equivalent who goes into different areas and goes into weird places, uh, sort of the underbelly of the city. Um, so yeah, it, it's like just really really interesting. Off, or not killed off, either killed off or. Uh... You know that kind of person's already been paid off like that they no longer exist in this world like it's, right. like, it's, it's a post it's a post-noir kind of like 
<laughs> Nobody right, really. There's no PIs, yeah. really. Yeah, and Smoochie doesn't really act as the PI. Neither does Nora. <laughs> um, I, I really I like the Spinner character. I realized today that he was uh, Jackie April in uh in the yeah. Sopranos. I was trying. To oh, that's right. <laughs> I forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> um, but no, but like he's not played. I mean, because obviously you know boxers have been hit in the head so many fucking times that like you know by the time they uh like it's it's well documented by this point like by the time uh you know yeah, he has cte died, effectively you know yeah, i mean that's yeah. what he's supposed to have yeah i mean they don't call it that but yeah so uh, you know it, it's interesting though that they make him sweet and they make him kind of uh childlike and not like a, he's a one of the heroes yeah you know he's one of the only uncynical characters in the entire thing which is really interesting and it is an interesting choice uh that they made i think him and maybe angelo are really the only good quote-unquote good guys i mean even and An angelo has to betray randy for you know because they threatened him but he's like ultimately a good guy and i think that's an interesting choice made by made by devito and the and the screenwriter yeah and the other thing though is you know uh smoochy like that character like sheldon I, I keep trying to remember the guy's name uh sheldon kind of takes over from um you know from from rainbow randolph and you could tell that he has had these long-standing relationships with all these people within you know both you know people like angelo but also you know um john stewart's uh frank uh marion frank i guess marion frank stipe i think is his name so that that character like they've had a long-standing relationship and there's a like the scene where they're in the car together and he's listing off like it's literally just like the scene with uh with paulie and fucking goodfellas where you know he's he gives them the the thing of um hold on i wrote down i wrote down the the list of what he gives them but it's like it's after uh it's after sheldon's already taken over and he he gives them the thing and he's like oh there's um I'm trying to remember he's like there's there's uh peanuts that are um what's the Kahlua peanuts or something. There's these lotions in it that like, you know, that they give away with all these things in like hotels or whatever and um, uh, disposable cameras. And he's like, now I got to turn my back on you, which is not something that was going to help. None of those things are going to help that guy who's now homeless and like, you know, has been kicked out of a penthouse apartment. So it's like, it's like that scene, but you know, he can't even give him like money. He can't even lend him anything. Like people are so greedy and corrupt and everything in this world. He doesn't even get like the, here's uh here's 600 bucks now i gotta turn my back on you he gets like here's some lotion and some uh some <laughs> disposable some, cameras some which were a real thing those were a valuable commodity around then trust me but yeah like <laughs> it's, it's one and you know what and what and how does robin williams character like answer him back you know you know what you can do with the lotion or something along those lines it was you know good opportunity for some ribald humor of course but yeah no he's like you know what you can do with that lotion jerk off <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's I, a lot of penis yeah. humor in this. In this sure movie. is more than yeah. I remembered. I remember there being a lot. I, I yeah, yeah, but that's all rocket ships, though. <laughs> yeah, there's no, yeah. there's no penises. There's only rocket ships. Only, only rocket, rocket ships. ships. That scene fucking cracks me up, and I can't see anybody yeah. but Robin Williams playing that character. Like, there's no way to make that character <laughs> kind of endearing and like. Yeah, kind of it's vulnerable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's such an evil character until the very, very end. He's just like horrible, selfish betraying children betraying everyone but like there's a you you realize with williams that he is just in such pain and i always i think that's where robin williams i i don't love him necessarily as a serious actor except when he's playing someone with like an incredible amount of pain and i guess basically playing the sad clown i don't think he does like psychotic that well i think he does deeply deeply hurt like in this and goodwill hunting he he's really good at that, and and um, this is a, no one love of his for uh, one hour photo. No, 
I don't really. I think it's a bit slow, personally. Also, uh, Patch Adams. Hey, so it was the one-hour photos. Rarely one hour. Anyway, <laughs> that is true. Uh, <laughs> no, it was also Patch Adams, Adam, which is a movie that was. I. I mean, I that's don't... like maudlin in this. Like, that's a bit more. Like he also had that, and and that, like in Mrs. Duffer, he has sort of a mod maudlin streak. Yeah, which I don't love. Um, but in this, he's kind of in full form, and. He he puts the like the, that's that's like one of the you know I think this is the like most classic scene and he puts the penis cookie in the thing to frame him right and it's not something that's gonna hurt him like this this world is just petty and stupid and you know full of like these weird children show hosts that are like almost like cartoon characters or almost like Batman villains in a way like from the original sixties Batman like he's just strange fucking people all of them yeah and he puts the penis cookie in the thing and he's like oh and then so so he's like <laughs> so so you know Sheldon has this kind of pure character this pure uh most you know integral character right like having integrity above all um is able to like you know kind of pull off the showmanship when the kids are all looking at him and do the rocket ship line and then you know it's just so funny to see uh rainbow randolph run out and go what are you blind it's a cock it's a cock and balls it's a big stiffy a willy a weenie a one one-eyed wonder weenie and he's like you know so he just shoots off that list and i just can't see anybody but rob williams being able to do that like, yeah that's his classic thing yeah, <laughs> or a group of anons on twitter maybe you know yeah. <laughs> I, I was saying before we, we started to conan that uh, this movie is like a, a house of cards like uh, every single piece is there and, and if you remove anything this movie just wouldn't work uh, i mean it's it's so close to not working that 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 you know i understand like like it, it, it but it, it still they pull it off at the end like 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 it hits all the right notes or uh, you know um, you know, there, there's other comedies like, like uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, for example, which are is like legit funny. And if you change out something in that movie, it's still going to work because it's just such a strong film. This this one, even because it's such a strange concept, uh, not to say a Bob or Barb and Star isn't, but that's a whole other. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty, yeah, yeah, it's, a, <laughs> it's a weird movie. It's great, though. If I love it, too, it. but it is bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Another another movie that kind of tackles. But, but I was saying to that, yeah, yeah. Forrest, if if I can be on the show for a second, is that uh, I was arguing the other side of it that it's like one step or two away from actually being like an all time classic. Like it's really good, it's really good, but it's like there's something. It's like oh, I don't, and I don't know what. Like I'm not gonna sit here and analyze it, but it's real close to being like an all timer. But it's not quite there. But it is good. This is a very good movie. Yeah, I I would agree with that. There's I think it's something in the performances and the writing. I think like there's some weak links. I don't think John Stewart's particularly good, and that's a pretty important character. Um, I think that uh, and that's the where the heat was at the time. Everyone was like, "Oh, John Stewart's doing a movie! Oh my god, John Stewart's doing a movie! Wow, wow, wow!" And it's sort of like, "Oh, all right." Let's yeah, he's that. not great in that role. I don't think he's a very particular. I mean, he's not I, I not a huge fan of his acting. Um, but I think that uh. Yeah, the writing is probably a little flabby as well. It probably goes on 10, 15 minutes too long. Um, they probably could have cut a little of it, just just short as shortened a bit of the scene, uh, a, a bunch of the scenes. But yeah, I, I'd say it's like an eight, which is pretty high. <laughs> There's extended scene of the uh, Nazi rally. You know, <laughs> yeah, that, was, like, that was a throws, good one. It throws a lot of things at you that could go in a lot of different directions, like. I mean, yeah. the idea of kind of, and, and it kind of just brushes over them. Like the idea that there's like, you know, kids show groupies gets touched on at the, at the end of it for that one, that one second, like someone, <laughs> who would be, minute, yeah. someone who would be like fully attracted to mass, like children's, 
television characters. Yeah, um, it would almost like it, it's a, it, it's ironically a movie that actually, you know, could be a bit longer. You know, it, it would make a good TV show. I could see setting a season yeah. in the world of Death to Smoochie and making it a real noir. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be a really cool uh, idea. It, it almost it's almost like it's both too long and too short. But but also like like uh you know we watched Buckaroo Banzai uh, last year and um, Buckaroo Banzai was such like like the way it was done so deadpan they they're able to throw like really crazy things at you and it's okay that you missed it and this one it it just almost seems like like uh they uh, you know the tone isn't quite right for some of those jokes like the uh, the groupie joke you know if if it was done more deadpan that would be a little different. Yeah, it's a weird mix. It's like extremely dark, but extremely bright, which is something that you don't often see. And I mean, DeVito is just really talented. I don't think he's done a movie in like 20 years, but he's such a good director. No, he's done a bunch. Actually, I looked up on IMDb. He's been directing up a uh, last film that he did came out uh, in 2016. So he's oh, uh, I'm totally wrong. What, uh, what he's, is done, he's done a lot of TV. So, so, you know, let's be fair on that, that part, but he's uh, in short films, but he's, he's done uh, uh, quite a bit behind the camera. I was actually surprised how much. What was the last thing he directed? Do we know? Uh, I could pull it up just real quickly. Yeah, I'm curious. It it almost seems like his "It's Always Sunny" role as like Frank Reynolds could almost be like an offshoot of this. Like he he takes off, like he takes off or whatever, and he needs to like you know find somewhere to hide out, and he goes to Philadelphia to like visit his kids or whatever, and then "It's Always Sunny" kicks off from there. Like the characters are pretty fucking similar. It's a tie-in that nobody asked for. Curmudgeons was his last film. I think it's a short film. Oh yeah, it's sixteen minutes. So, uh, it's pretty short. Let's see here. Uh, but he did um, uh, Hoffa and um, uh, War of the Roses as well. Yeah, so the, I think those. Time. I think his last major film might have been like two thousand three. I think he hasn't been doing it for a while. Yeah, because there was Duplex, which was that year. Right, that was a while ago. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. That is a short. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like a bunch of shorts after that. Look him up on the internet; he's all over it. So, so well, he's a bunch of shorts over there. I, I actually yeah. had a question for everybody, starting with Danny. Uh, is there a favorite scene or like a favorite, uh, either a favorite scene or like a favorite kind of throwaway character or something? Um, you know, to kind of jump off this, like this part of the, because there's so much going on in this movie, it's hard to it, you yeah, take it in a million different directions. So I'll ask you that. Uh, I like the scene where Rainbow Randolph is like doing parkour around the city. I just think that's that's really <laughs> cool and well shot, and he's really good. He, he calls the baby a tit nibbler, which is a fantastic line. <laughs> and he's like so he's so like degraded and ill, and he's just jumping around this. I just think that's a really cool juxtaposition, and and looks really pretty. I didn't I didn't notice this until watching it again, but the dance he's doing on top of the thing is the dance that he was doing at the beginning. He's doing his opening act. Oh, that's cool. And yeah. but he's doing it like piece okay. by piece. But you're looking at cool. it from this really like degraded, you know, um, homeless kind of perspective, where he's just doing that same dance on there, and you're like, oh, that's fucking weird. Like it's a little bit weird that you're doing that. But he's kind of going back to that that feeling, and that's when he's excited that you know uh, Sheldon's been framed as a Nazi. He's he goes back to doing his dance because he's like trying to get I think the the rhythm of it back because he thinks he's gonna be hired again. Which why wouldn't they just pick one of the other? Many children show hosts that seem to. Exist oh, uh, there's one more. I think one of the funniest lines at that is my one of my favorite lines in movie history is when Bucky Ding Dong is falling and his last words are "I never saw Venice." I always wanted a production company called Never Saw Venice Productions. It's so funny. 
Uh, it's such a good line, and it comes out of nowhere, but it's complete. It's like both fitting in character, but also undermining the character. Like you wouldn't expect the junkie to have one to see. It's just such a good. It it it, it, it personifies embodies every everything that's good about the movie. He also has another line that he says. Um, I, I can't. Oh, he's like he's like I will rise from the ashes like a phoenix, and then he says, or some other city in Arizona. Um, <laughs> Vincent Chiavelli, right? He's, such, yes. he's a, a real yeah, treasure. Yeah. Which, uh, weirdly enough, he was also in Buckaroo Bandai. So, you know, there you go. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's fantastic. He's in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which we may eventually cover, maybe even this month. We'll (laughs) find that out soon. This is our our kind of madness month. uh, March Madness. Smoothie's good for that. Yeah. Um, So, so Conan, uh, you know, bringing you into the conversation, do you have a favorite moment or character that you can... Kind of, I uh, mean, f- favorite moment, and I remember this, but I, I like it actually was even funnier to me is the accidental Nazi rally. I'm sorry, like it's like that's become more topical if anything else, you know. And that's it's brilliantly executed, like to the point that like when the flag goes down and it's just like mean the Jimmy Dore live show, but <laughs> well, I mean, but it's but it's like the perfect example of you know. Uh, think about how cultures change now right people just like don't even care about nuance or context in any way shape or form either it's like oh so-and-so's bad go get him you know get him butch everyone's <laughs> doing the get him butch and it's it's not like that came out of nowhere it's just much more pronounced and quicker and the the mob has more uh more power and more vibes and like and the fact that like you know oh the information's wrong well that doesn't matter so much as you know we got him Okay. They also, uh, they shoot it really interestingly, right? He's on stage and the lights in his eyes and you really can't see anything. And like, yeah, it, well, it looks like it legit, like would be something that he would not be aware of that's happening rather than yeah. like, oh, sure. You didn't know. But like, it's also funny that when, when I noticed this time, there's like a few of the Nazis that are like trying not to break. They're like, oh yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and another, another thing that's like sort of an in joke when I was watching that, I lived like five minutes from JFK and that's like an area that is, you know, not especially German It's quite Jewish and Italian. And so I think it's also a little in joke that they're having a, like a huge Nazi rally at LA uh, at, at, um, at JFK. And I, <laughs> I think that's like a, a little New York in joke, which I always appreciated. Yeah. Um, I, I think also, I mean, it's interesting. I always feel like in movies that have like neo-Nazi groups to think about how the like image of a neo-Nazis change, like, you know, and this is the full swastika and the, yeah, the uniform. Like it's a similar dress like brown shirts. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and it's done almost for comedic effect that way in the same way, like the blues brothers. Yeah. That's what I was thinking when I was right? yeah. They're, like, openly wearing swastikas and whatnot. Obviously it's differently now. Yeah. It was, it was, it was extreme. You know, they were just like, literally it was in Germany. Yeah, they swapped out this watchika with a Pepe frog. Yeah, it was very, it was very sort of heightened that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of quotes in that scene that I find really funny. Um, one of them is uh, when, when because they're talking to him on TV, and you can see, or I don't know if it's going on perfectly, like in his head, or if it's kind of in the future. But they're all interviewing him on TV, and the guy says, "Is Smoochie a code for white power?" I thought that was a. <laughs> actually, actually, the whole yeah, that whole section after it too is is absolutely genius. Yeah, uh, like it, it's 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 pretty awesome because like if you listen to what's actually being said, it's obviously a critique of uh, you know the the that particular side of the media uh, and and the get him butch philosophy there as well. Yeah. Um, the other one I like is uh, it, it was Jack Boots and swastikas and smooch Hile, smooch Hile. <laughs> But there's there's also a moment that's kind of juxtaposed in this when um, 
Well, hold on. Is Andy going to get a turn? Or, no, no, no. I was, well, I'm talking about this part of it, though. Okay. All right. That same kind of mob following. Um, uh, this isn't this isn't what I wanted to bring up for my favorite. But when uh, when the mob is following uh, Rainbow Randolph and they're going through, it's kind of the same kind of thing, right? Everybody's out to get him, and he's yelling, and he kind of takes it as, uh, you know, I think Sheldon's very embarrassed when it's the mob coming after him as a Nazi, but when it's like Rainbow Randolph, he's kind of standing up as if he's. Um, I don't know. He's like very defiant, and he's like, "Yeah, well, fuck you guys too, pretty much." And someone hits him with an egg, and he's like, "Ah, I've been shot or something." And then he's like, "Salmonella, salmonella!" Yeah. <laughs> he immediately yells out for salmonella. Yeah, that's 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 a good that's a good moment. <laughs> but Andy, uh, you gotta you gotta seem to add to this. Honestly, anything with Vincent Schiavelli showed up. That, like like all of his scenes were just great because um, just like the layers that they kept building on top of his character, like, you know, the fact that he smelled of urine uh, when they first meet him uh, because he was sleeping in the bus station to, yeah. to like, I smoked all the uh, opiate in Asia. They just made him, like, extreme. that in the beginning. No, go ahead. Danny, go ahead. I, I... Oh, no, 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 I was done. I was done. I just, I, okay. I think, like, what's also cool, I'll just, I guess, expand the point. What's also cool is just, like, this is a movie that really does go to extremes, um, and it just shows that sort of experimentation period between the Ferrelli brothers and Apatow, and comedy was sort of grasping um, for what it was going to be. I think Zoolander is, is very, very similar and sort of, like, it's become a classic, but, you know, there's a lot of flab in there, and it's become a classic for particular reasons. I, I still think it's a really funny movie, but it's this liminal space for mainstream comedy, which is mm. where you get a movie like Death to Smoochie green, greenlit, which, you know, would yeah. not happen today. Maybe not even for a Netflix. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's definitely the only way that they would do it is like to bring back the nostalgia. They would never do that as an original idea. Um, uh, they, they tease uh, Buggy Ding Dong, who's the that character. They tease him at the beginning, the first person they list. And, uh, you know, John Story's character goes heroin mule. You're like so you, you see that from the very beginning that like they have this list of weird children show hosts that like they, they can kind of call on yeah they kind of rattle off all of their uh <laughs> their, their negative attributes and like why they're like would be unfit for for the position and yeah it's just a, it's a good little rat-a-tat bit to to do that everything is terrible like these people you trust with your children's attention and minds are actually all you know perverts and freaks yeah um my 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 choice, I think, for this is that there's the scene that uh, where uh, you know uh, Rainbow Randolph is going to pour the gasoline on himself, and he's in the, the yeah thing, and, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, and and the girl walked up to him and is like, what what what's she doing, Rainbow Randolph? <laughs> yeah, and, and like he's he's like very moved by it, and then immediately, you know, Smoochie's mentioned, and, and then he's like, oh, back to being mad, okay. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, but it's yeah, like they a, make him so venal, <laughs> like he's yeah. such right. a venal character, like a literal, very tough character to play, I would imagine, for an actor. You know how to find humanity in someone who's like so gleefully inhuman, in a sense. But it yeah. feels like it's a Robin Williams character. You know what I mean? Like it feels like he does that all the time, like that kind of uh, strange, kind of almost in some weird way, almost like macabre, uh, like like this this grotesque. I guess grotesque is the word. Like colorful but like uh you know dark and and sad and tragic and you know like like when he wrecks the oh, tv and then you guys uh, hear me you i can hear you now hear but you now. i'm looking out for a second yeah like when, when he like wrecks the tv then it's like oh yeah that's not his i'm like, like what are you doing it's got picture in picture 
<laughs> oh my god that's, that's a, so that's, that's so a great moment <laughs> yeah i know it could not be more two thousand. that and uh whenever robin williams walks in the room and goes what's up <laughs> yeah this is <laughs> yeah very classic like children there was a an ad campaign on television yeah, exactly. where these guys would say that and it was everybody was saying it in 2002 it was just, yeah it was a meme you know yeah. it was like a meme one of the big memes yes yeah. it was they bring it they bring it back in uh they bring it back in, in scary movie which is really funny where they have oh, the yeah. guy called up and he's like what's up <laughs> I think that um, movie's from 2000. <laughs> so it was yeah, like the yeah, height yeah. of What's Up. <laughs> um, so I guess it's since peak you only What's have, Up, really. Yeah. You only have about like 10 minutes left. Um, I we should probably do Letterbox one-liners. Um, so what's Letterbox one-liners? Explain to me. What's the well? The I'm grab you asked Daniel Bester because uh, Letterbox one-liners is where the movies that we uh, cover here are moving extravaganza. There's of course a site called Letterbox. It's a place for film. It's a social media network for film lovers to talk at with and to each other bottom-up democracy no siskels no eberts everyone gets their say uh everyone gets to talk about movies that they love that they hate that they just are baffled by and they get to express that one of which the ways that is expressed that is used best for this show is in a one-liner format where we read them aloud and we react and or goof on them yeah so these are the one-liners for death to smoochie is this the prequel to american history x well, it would be a sequel. <laughs> this, yeah, I mean, there's the. I was thinking about like how so many moments in this you could like just put the swastika on him. Like, is the thing where he's shirtless and you know it turns it turns Nora on or whatever. And I was thinking about like if those characters were the same character and he just has the swastika tattoo on him. And all he did was anger management. Apparently, that, that's all he went to therapy for. <laughs> score with different music. Yeah. <laughs> Citizen Kane has nothing on this movie. That's being that's being sarcastic, but that guy's wrong. Citizen Kane and Death the Smoochie are in the same conversation. No, all right. Shots fired, no. Isaac. All right. Yeah, because truly Venice is the rosebud of this movie. It is. <laughs> Everyone's all primal fear of this and fight club that. But where is Edward Norton's Oscar for managing ice skate decently whilst dressed in a giant pink rhino costume? These people are all haters, but this is this was a good performance. Edward Norton gave a good. I don't like him in everything either, but he gave a really good performance in here. No, I agree, he, he's too self-serious. I think he goes wrong when he's too self-serious. And this is just not a movie you can be super self-serious about. And he's really good. Let's let's talk about the, the uh, tags here. Three time Oscar nominee, but four times snubbed and directed <laughs> by Danny DeVito in Comic Sans. <laughs> Heil Smoochie. Yeah. <laughs> the couldn't, have said it, couldn't have said it better myself. I did notice that everyone's giving these pretty good reviews. I think the lowest I saw was three and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 not about the rating, it's 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 about the comment, but sometimes it's about the rating. No, but it's interesting. Like, people on. like it, you know. It's not <laughs> yeah, getting yeah. like one. It's good. It's 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 held up, I would say. And it's I the it's the Cisco and Eberts, I think, that didn't like it. Like, you know what I mean? Like uh, exactly. professional, professionalized critics. This is what I wanted from Joker. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. V, v Kruger, five stars. Which It would be a great Joker origin story because like you can see it as <laughs> he gets, well, no, he gets disillusioned and like, yeah, 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 I get it. 
Yeah, well, Robin Williams almost was Joker, Joker yeah. believe it or not. Um, it was between him and Jack Nicholson. Really? I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was the Riddler. Uh, no, because he he basically turned down the Riddler after. Um, the whole thing was that that uh, uh, they didn't actually want um, uh, him, but they used him to get Jack Nicholson, and he felt so used. So he's like, he's like, um, hey, you want to play the Riddler? And he's like, fuck you, no. And um, fuck you, no. <laughs> and uh, you know that that was that was the end of the whole discussion. But that was because of the way he was treated for uh, the 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 Batman movie, where they did actually get him to say yes to get Jack Nicholson to say yes. That is information that you now know, everybody. <laughs> stuck in my head, no, stuck in yours. Yeah, congratulations. Wendy, explain. Um. <laughs> Spirulina and almond butter, top soy hot dogs on gluten-free buns, hard pass. This movie is good, though. Alex but, but see, that's the thing, though, about, like, the ethical ethical consumerism, right? Like, because everybody kind of knows what those things are now. It's kind of put in a lot of, like, uh, early 2000s movies, like, as, like, almost like, a, oh, this is a character quirk. And I feel like we're at a point where this like ethical consumer health food store kind of thing, everybody kind of knows what gluten-free bread tastes like, like, or at least has heard about it. Like it was trending for a while with everybody being like, Oh, I'm gluten-free, you know, I have celiacs or whatever. And I mean, whether they did or not, uh, you know, whether they did or not, like everybody knows what that is now. And I feel like in this, it's kind of something weird, like something quirky that, um, Moving extravaganza brought to you by the American beef industry, everybody. <laughs> I also like the fact that he's putting almond butter on a hot dog. Like, like what the hell? Oh um, it's like Weird Al. But didn't Weird Al his his was uh, hot dog and a Twinkie and peanut butter, right? Yeah, that sounds right. I, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> um, but yeah, the other the other line that I really like is he goes, uh, he goes, oh, you know, I, whatever. Oh, he goes like. Uh, caffeine and, and something else is like that's not good for your cheat and he goes uh ron williams line is like oh i've never tried korean food but you know next time <laughs> or something or thanks for the information or something it's like a weird <laughs> danny vito said fuck them kids and honestly what a fucking legend is that a reference to something is that from it's always sunny uh i think it's more just a general ethos right like no, danny that, DeVito uh... seems to like kids he yeah. seems to like like young people there's that there's yeah. that Michael Jordan thing where he's like fuck them kids or whatever. Yeah, I don't think he yeah. ever had any of his own, but he really did love uh, like you know working on Matilda back in the day. I think he has kids. Uh, um, actually, Natalie, if that is your real name. Yeah, he has kids. He has he has a grandkid. That's the reason that he got involved with uh, It's Always Sunny is because his granddaughter was like, "Hey, I love It's Always Sunny," and he's like, "All right, I guess I'll okay. check it out." Okay, I I missed that. I I you know what you know what I think about it. Rhea Perlman was like pregnant during Cheers. So, like, of course, of course he has kids. <laughs> Did he ever guest on Cheers? You know, I don't know. He Let's must have. Fact on that. Yeah, I don't know. I can't imagine he didn't. <laughs> but Smoochie, the only four emotions I feel are hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. <laughs> <laughs> A.K.A. Halt. That one. That's so that. dark. <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> I was only going to give this four stars, but then that ending credit sequence happened. It is a good credit sequence that 40-year-old Virgin took, I might yep. add. Yep, 100%. And 40-year-old Virgin got all the fame. Nobody gave it to death to Smoochie. <laughs> I'm going to tweet that. That was a good observation, me. <laughs> 20 years later, and I'm still trying to get sketchy hot dog places to carry gluten-free buns. Not in Brooklyn, though. 
Exactly. They all fucking do in Brooklyn. Anywhere you go in Brooklyn, I guarantee you, if they don't have gluten-free buns, they're out of business. That's that's the. <laughs> uh, he he was not in uh, Cheers, but he was in My Little Pony the movie. The fuck. Oh, interesting. Oh, I'm surprised yeah. he never ever guested on Cheers as his taxi character. Was that the one yeah. directed by Ridley Scott? Anyway, uh, Cheers, uh, those yeah. are the letterbox one-liners for Death the Smoochie. Everybody, letterboxed place for film go follow the show uh moving extravaganza that's forced over there i of course am kona neutron you can follow me there uh j andrew world's also on there as are many of the lovely feature guests on the show but not daniel bessner who barely knew what it was uh, <laughs> but that's okay we love having him on nonetheless letterbox place for film and yeah, you're, on, you're on uh you're on letterbox though i've like yeah, I am. I, I, I joined it like January 2nd and I haven't been on since, but I need to get back. It was fun. Yes. It was very and fun. While you're here watching this video, please subscribe. If you are um, a Amazon Prime customer, you can subscribe for free. That helps us out. Great. Doesn't cost you anything. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, do all the YouTube things. Hit the bell, hit the like, comment, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Um, and we have a Patreon. Hit us up on Patreon where we will uh, put out... Uh, uh, after parties, which uh, I we're definitely not doing for this one. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, my after party, I, I think our next after party we're, we're talking about is uh, for Heavenly Creatures later this month, so um, stay tuned for that. That should be good, yeah. It's not All just right. dudes in that thanks, show, either. Thanks. Also nice. <laughs> thanks, Andy. Um, to try to get Danny off, you know, on time, uh, whoa, whoa, what are you on your own time? Is your business anyway, no, but. <laughs> <laughs> jerk off no <laughs> no but, it, but um we we do kind of a final thoughts thing where you can kind of add whatever whatever we didn't get to or anything you want to you know uh, elaborate on or and yeah anything like that sure should i start yeah uh yeah i think uh danny devito should direct more movies and more people should see this movie it, it holds up pretty well uh and uh yeah two thumbs up ten woofs <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, Do you guys have a rating system? Not really. <laughs> oh, you should. That's like that's like sitting there. You you should you definitely have to rate it, and then someone could like keep track. Well, I yeah. mean, technically speaking, this, yeah, it's whatever Force puts on Letterbox, but that's just his. <laughs> that's just his opinion, man. Yeah. No, I feel like you guys should have like you know your own like two two aliens or something. You know, make something up mm. uh, that could work. That'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be fun. No, that, that, would, that would be, that's like, that's a smart idea. And then once, uh, it's, it's sitting there for you, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just uh, to make sure that, you know, you get, you get to your uh, dinner yeah, on time. Thanks, guys. Um, Much appreciated you know, uh, to plug your show. Um, American prestige podcast, really, really amazing. Uh, you know, every, I think you guys do Saturdays and uh, lately just whenever kind of something yeah, out. generally we do the free up on Fridays and then we do the bonus episode on Saturdays. So yeah. your weekend is occupied with my dumb voice. <laughs> so when when you know when you don't want to hear about movies and want to hear about the horrifying uh, acts of war being committed in Eastern Europe, <laughs> that is the <laughs> that is the podcast yeah. for you. It's a real right. blast. And uh, honestly, it's it's a real fun show. You know, like uh, despite the heavy subject, you know, uh, Danny and and uh, um, Derek really do bring. Uh, you know, uh, make it uh, uh, listenable and enjoyable, and, and I, I also highly recommend it to, to people. So. Oh, thanks, guys. I really do appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening. 
And yeah. it's uh, nice to talk to you somewhere that isn't Twitter, my dude. Yeah, nice to meet you, Conan. Yeah, I think you're this is our first time meeting. <laughs> Which but, uh, is kind of crazy pleasure. considering how much we've talked over the years. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. Uh, and again, guys, sorry, I didn't want to reschedule, but I do have to run. No, it's all right. Time. Let's do, I mean, if you want to do something down the line, we can. We yeah, can, let's do something. Yeah, you're in, you're actually something contractually obligated to come on. Yeah. Again. <laughs> let's do something in, in May or June. Okay. When my quarter is wrapping up. Sounds great. All right, boys. Catch all you right, later. Thanks so much. No all problem. Right, thank you. Bye. All right. I think we got ready. him. We got him out of there a minute early. That's like the first yeah, time no, that's, that's ever happened. That's, that was really that's definitely the first time it's ever happened on this show. Yeah, for sure. 100%. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a. He's going to be out an hour. I'm like, oh, we're never going to make it. <laughs> There's no chance. I, I have <laughs> we're going to still I, be doing introductions in an hour. Are you fucking kidding me? You've seen this show? <laughs> I have a clip. Um, I Well, I have, I have two clips, but I'll, I'll play the first one. Um, this, yeah, so I think we're going to be joined random. by Erica after that. So Yeah. So, and I also want to get up, you know, go to the bathroom and, and you know, just uh, stretch. See your dog because right you, you miss you miss Audrey. Yeah. Um, so this is the, this is two minute two and a half minutes. So it's not very long. But this is some of the behind the scenes like randomness that happened. And I found that there's like a there's like a seven minute. I cut it up a little bit, and it's not the whole thing. But there's a a seven minute uh, short that they included on the DVD that's just random like extras. And for this movie, I feel like I wouldn't normally do that. I'd find something more related to it. But it's like really fun to watch this many like talented comedians. Kind of just spitballs. I mean, I remember I was sitting with Danny and uh, I'd say, Danny, what's my character? And he said, I don't know. You're fucking playing it. You know what I do for fun? Put a scorpion in my underwear and smack it with a hammer. <laughs> I'm going to end up carrying Prosky. I can just feel it. Squeaky fucking clean. <laughs> I think this is a lovely look for spring. Uh, it's sort of natural and yet supernatural. You okay? That depends on your definition. This is buggy. This is the guy to play. You say a 36-year-old man dressed as a rhino? I'm fine. I'm junkie. Where the hell is my cock? Oh, no, no, no. Ah, ah, ah. Who wants the first cookie? Danny hasn't seen me. Cookie, get my cookie. A little present. <laughs> oh. Here's cookie number two. <laughs> no, I don't know that one. It's, uh, much longer. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rocket ship! Oh. Action! John Wayne says couscous, and all of a sudden you're going, all right. All right. Well, what I'm going to make tonight is couscous. <laughs> <laughs> as well as hundreds of people. Spies, you. Hey, you! Thank <laughs> you.
Classic New York folks. <laughs> um, this is this is very the beginning, not beginning, but uh this is towards like the you know when CGI and <laughs> going on. Hey so no, wild Erica appears. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you can catch us, uh catch glimpses of us as we I don't know. I wouldn't finish that. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's been a long day. I got up at 4 a.m. Jeez. Yeah. How are you it's guys like doing? Bedtime. I know, right? I was like, that's like, you're just basically not even sleeping at that point. Whoa, whoa. You're telling me there's 4 a.m.? Jesus. Yeah. Oh, there's only, okay. Yeah. There's a 4 a.m. now? Yeah. There's a 4 a.m. Turns out I can, I can attest to it now. <laughs> like they have, uh, they have like the F4 and then the F5 planes. There's a, there's a, there's a 4, the 4 a.m. now. What are they going to come up with next? A 5 a.m.? We can't, we can't let, uh, we can't let China get the secrets of our 5 a.m. Yeah. Exactly. That's, I wish that joke could come up when Dustin was on, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to like have all our best bits after he leaves. <laughs> um, That's what I'm here for. All the best yeah, yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure we uh, use it all on the air all at the same time. So that yeah. we can at each other awkwardly for the rest of the show. So yeah, so this is this is the beginning of of um, that like era of like uh, CGI where that becomes like super readily available, and these movies kind of even even movies like Death of Smoochie that like don't necessarily have this huge budget, they're not like box office movies, right? Like are are capable of using that technology and kind of uh, doing like not just something like uh, like an action film or something, but like doing something like uh, Death of Smoochie where it's kind of just like jokes and people are messing around with the uh, green screen. So like. It's it's kind of funny, and there's so much. I didn't think about how much like wiring there is in this movie, and how much uh, like uh, like how many different set pieces there really are, and like how this the is, mad like, recliner of, shot with yeah. Robin Williams. I had never thought about that. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess they would have to like have a special setup to film that, wouldn't they? Like that was actually very interesting. I was like, oh yeah, that was kind of a cool shot, but I, I wasn't thinking about it in those terms. So this is the even cooler side of it. Uh, this is like the figure skating part of it, and. Uh, they, they like hired a world champion figure skater or something to like teach them how to number one to be on it but also to like to teach uh to teach figure skating a little bit um so this is kind of this is kind of fascinating to me this is the content we crave <laughs> Thank you. 
240,000 Christmas lights. so much fun I mean, with that cast how could it not be good point yeah well it kind of makes like danny devito like this falls right in with his sense of humor i think he did a great yeah. job with it yeah no he does a he does a great job uh directing it i like that he's in it um because you know he didn't necessarily have to make that choice but mm -hmm. I, that character is 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 pretty amazing um kind of as like almost uh you know, Danny was kind of comparing it almost to like noir in like a weird way, like a noir where there isn't kind of like a, a main uh, detective or something kind of solving the thing, you know what I mean? So it's interesting that he kind of speaks in that noir uh, dialogue, like his his gangster dialogue is like, um, late, like at the end of it or whatever, when he's trying to get him set up to, uh, to get killed, um, he says something like, hold on, he, he has a line that I wrote down that I really wanted to say. He's like, I'm not talking about, oh, he's like, I'm not talking about Stokes. I'm talking about Mopes. And like, you have to realize that like, you know, the other one he says is something like, uh, he's like, it doesn't matter if you don't have the show dough or something. And he says it like in this weird, like money in a, in a strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a Harvey Firestein's character, right? Hmm? Which character said this? Was oh no, Harvey David DeVito. Okay. okay, Harvey Fairstein is in this film, yeah, which is easy. Who, who is great, by the way? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was comparing yeah. it to yeah, Merv Green, right? Yeah, yeah. The other, the Merv Green scene that I or the moment that I really like is uh, after they kill um, Lucci or whatever, like they, they kill that character Spinner, and he's like, um, he's like, well, we didn't know there was suddenly like we didn't know he had a cousin Moochie, they look identical, and he goes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, he, goes, yeah. he, goes he goes, Moochie or Smoochie is fuchsia. Mushi burgundy. Don't <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's all upset about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like the most, the 
the most Harvey Firestein line to have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. Uh, I, I, by the way, I can't believe we gone an hour and six minutes into this show and haven't talked about how great Catherine Keener is in this, who is generally always. You guys haven't mentioned on International Women's Day too. I mean, I, I barely mentioned anything with the first twenty minutes. It's pretty much just forced talking to Danny Bessner, but you know. Oh, uh, okay. It was a dudes panel, so you know, yeah. we had to be sexist. <laughs> Happy but International I mean, Women's Day, everyone. Oh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> God damn it. I was literally about to say, on this, the day of International Women's Day. But, yeah. I'm sorry oh, for God. stealing your thunder. It's okay. It happens all the time on this show. Oh. Uh, but yeah, she's she's great. I mean, she's, I, th I think Catherine Keener's it's very consistent. Like she's she's generally pretty awesome at whatever she is. I don't think I've ever seen anything. There's things that I've seen that she's in that I'm not a fan of, but I'm always a fan of her in it. Yeah, so I think is a key distinction. This this role okay. is really is, is really interesting. Uh, like her. like think about uh, um, uh, being John Malkovich, right? Like in it, the 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 casting, the the correct Hollywood casting would be to flip the Cameron Diaz and the Catherine Keener characters. And I love that they that they did, and I think it's a much stronger movie because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, the 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 interesting thing I think about her character in this is that there's so many layers to it, and mm -hmm. she has to play all of those layers. Like they do the kind of noir uh, kind of thing too, where she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I've gotten so hardened." Like kind of to reference, like, "Well, I guess I guess this hot exterior or whatever, you know, I've, I've put it up." Right. Yeah. Of, so, <laughs> but she does that, and that peels away. And then, of course, at the end, you know, her whole... Uh, the the whole mean life. streets of children's television. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so there's that part of it. And then at the end, you realize, you know, she's had this long history in children's TV. And she's, like, slept with all of the different children's show hosts. And she was, like, a, a child. Which I want to know more about. Like, I want to know more about the concept of a, of a children's show groupie. Like, that is, that is hysterical. But they kind of just brush past it. And, uh, you know, Sheldon's moment of, like... You know, re like realizing he has to accept her, and this is the way things are, and like that's his like kind of almost uh, uh well, I guess the end of it is, but it's like that um, it's Chinatown moment or whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, she admires the artistry, right? That that's like kind of what it is, because they like just like when they have that the first Bonnie moment, her and the Norton character have is like bonding over like the uh, I forget the, the, the name of it, like the old school uh, children's TV character, and they both like know like that they know the dances and they know the songs and whatnot. So she clearly has deep affinity and respect for the art form, but has had her heart broken by like people basically being pieces of crap. Yeah, of which uh, Robin Williams' character is only the most recent and most egregious of, of examples is that a noir thing that's like uh the female there's a female character whose ex is kind of a bad guy is that a noir theme yeah, or not so much mm -hmm. yeah yeah i feel like i've seen it before but i don't i can't think of specific yeah, examples a great song by velvet underground listen to yeah. it you'll learn all about it yeah <laughs> when i was when i the first the first girl i ever like dated when i was like 12 or 13 or something i remember she played that on guitar at a at an improv show that I went to, and wow, and, and we, were were both, like, we were both like doing uh like children's improv or whatever. But anyway, was um, she doing like the voice of Elbow or something? What's children's improv? Like, was, yeah, like, yeah. But can we back up to the children's improv part of this conversation? Because I'm fascinated. No, like it was like I'm class, like after school improv classes. That's what I'm trying to say. Like oh, you know, okay. you go after school to you know uh, like a, and then you put on the show at the end of the thing and. It's the parents like pay a certain class. amount of money and you get trained in improv which 
I think it was kind of a, a kind of just paying for the stage time in the, in the end. But you know, yeah, I, I was envisioning like the brick wall and like in like every kid doing their tight five about grape juice boxes or whatever, you know. But maybe, maybe I was thinking about that wrong. You, you, you ever notice the straws on grape juice boxes are getting longer? Uh, <laughs> just don't make them like they used to. <laughs> um, that kind of brings us to the beginning of this movie, the the you know the the sting scene, which we didn't even really talk about where you first kind of realize yeah. how underground and weird uh, and kind of venal and like corrupt this world is, um, is Robin Williams sitting there at the table and uh, you know, he's like, you want your little booger eater on my show? Which is like the first kind of jarring moment you get after this whole kind of interest. Yeah, I mean, no. the first jarring moment is, you know, seeing a whatever smooth, like a rhino getting, you know, hit by all these things, but like, you don't really know what's going on with that. And you get this whole number and then he's sitting down. Yeah. And, it, and it, it, did, did you listen to the lyrics of the number? Uh, cause, Which cause, are like, incredibly revolved. Yeah. Or amazing. Cause like, like I, I did not catch the first time I watched it. The line where he goes, some people like to be a catcher. Some people like to be a pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, the whole song is friends come in all sizes and he's being followed by a line of little people, which is it, like this. this <laughs> It's just, and it's, it's all the innuendos too. It's just great. <laughs> I like that. I like that yeah. the um, Angelo character, like the little person that's kind of his, like, uh, uh, you know, partner, I guess, in this, or like, I don't know. His main side the only remaining yeah. friend of any kind. Yeah. That character could be not, like, that character could, could like, conceivably not be a little person. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's no, not important to the yeah. character that he be. Yeah, exactly. It's just. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, 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 it's it's in the way of the classic Peter Dinklage rules, like you know the station agent or something, where it's like it's it's irrelevant, like the size of the of the person, like that could. It's be really the size person. of the heart, and his heart. It really good. is about the size of the heart. You're <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just like they all, the all of them, like kind of come with the studio. All those like backup characters, all the bar <laughs> backup character actors. It's like whichever yeah. guy is the star. It's like all of them are the Rynets or the rainbow randall friends or what i can't remember what they call them uh i think but. humiliating costumes under Rain rainbow randolph right and then they put on the tiny the tiny uh rhinette suits like that's a far more i think humiliating experience for that thing. but they're working on a better show so maybe that's a concern right like maybe it's like oh but this is a more ethical show and that guy isn't a piece of crap like the other dude so yeah maybe they, they, really, I mean, do they really care i don't it sounds like maybe they're getting paid the same yeah. no matter what yeah so, so maybe yeah, yeah. He did, he, you know, there's a part where he goes, yeah, job's a job. You know, he seems very indifferent about it. Yeah. Exactly. Well, he's still also on the phone with, uh, you know, well, no, that's when he's talking to Sheldon, I guess. And, and he's like, oh, well, I'm so happy that you're, yeah. But there's there's other scenes where he's kind of downplaying it to, you know, to not destroy uh, Rainbow Randolph, um, like his, his entire, like, ego, which is incredibly fragile. And I think that is why you feel mm -hmm. completely, um, like we were talking about this earlier, why you feel so... Um, connected almost or not connected but sorry for robin williams character as he's like a complete piece of shit like there's not a, a redeeming quality about him mm -hmm. um whatsoever like this person is is awful this person pretty is cartoon like, villain yeah yeah you know, just enjoys doing crimes and being evil yeah i mean that's Complete with the Wiley Coyote dance number down the street. Exactly, which is fantastic, <laughs> which, which is very yeah. good. Yeah. He enjoys uh, he nails it. not being gay and doing crimes. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, and, and throughout this whole movie, he shows so much vulnerability. And like, there's these moments that no one else, I don't think, uh, I don't think anyone else could have done, right? Like, he truly believes that Sheldon has taken on this role to fuck him over. Um, like, 
and he's trying to destroy his life. Whereas Sheldon doesn't even think about this guy, like hasn't put a thought into him. So there's that really, uh, mm -hmm. as he's driving him to the Nazi rally, he's like, he's like, oh, I yeah. heard all these things about, and he keeps switching the accent, which is a really funny bit. Which yeah, is totally which he does not catch on at all, but it's, yeah, it's, it's mm -hmm. with comedy. But yeah, it, and like, you know, it's like, what's the, 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 you know, I don't think about you at all. That's like the sort of, yeah. like, you know, if Ed Norton had more presence of mind to like, you know, be assertive and then like realize what was happening, we'd be like, yeah, I don't I'm thinking about you. Like, yeah, I'm going to be thinking about you. <laughs> but he's, he truly believes that this is another <laughs> corrupt, uh, like person playing this nice guy role, which presumably from what uh, what Nora says throughout it, like there's a lot of these people that start out pretending to be ethical and nice, which is not what you get, the, the feeling you get from uh, Rainbow Randolph whatsoever. Um, well, and so so you just bring up an important point that like, uh, you know, you're playing the, the, the game, the casting a different person for whatever. What if Ed Norton and Robin Williams roles were reversed? What if hey, I have, a, I have a clip that talks about that. Oh, oh, there you go. Inadvertently with <laughs> Neutron with the assist inadvertently. <laughs> Amazing. Great work, <laughs> Neutron. Thank you. Thank you. This is Edward Norton talking about originally how he was, he was approached uh, by Danny DeVito to play the Robin Williams role. Oh, yeah, so fantastic. I, I didn't know that, but like. I didn't know that either. Watching. I mean, I totally knew it. That's why I set the clip for you. Yeah. So a bit of a departure from the previous film. Pretty much the same film. I mean, um, I try not to repeat myself. Let's just say that. And what are you holding there? Um, I think you tell those down in your lobby um, of the Meredith Media Center here. Um, yeah, you can get that. There's a couple of brothers from Queens run a coffee shop down there. Um, no, the... Uh, <laughs> you can see me laughing. Like, I'm actually laughing there. Uh, I'm assuming the kids had no idea what was in your hand, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, there was a lot of funny people. Catherine Keener knew what was in your hand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's cracking me up that it's all, like, blurred I mean, out. <laughs> I heard that the script was so funny that it brought tears to your eyes. It did. Um, and, of course, working with Danny DeVito. We were both in Montreal making different heist movies. That's right. Um, and we had a drink one night and he said, I got this funny script and he sent it to me to look at, he said to look at Rainbow Randolph. He wanted me to look at the Robin Williams part, but I read it and then we got together for a drink and I said, I said, I think Smoochie. And, and he went, he went, no, no, yes, yes. You know, he was like Smoochie now, but you know, that was so yeah. good. And he still calls me Sheldon Mopes. He doesn't he does call me. Yeah, he does. He, he, when he writes me, he says, Mopes. Robin Williams' kinetic energy, working alongside that, what was that like for you? He was a whirling dervish of a man. Robin was a great technician. That's the funny thing is people think, oh, Robin just goes and throws a ton of spaghetti against the wall and something's going to stick. But he was a masterful film actor. He, he was very self-aware. I mean, he was hilarious. I remember Catherine Keener's uh, little boy was like three years old and Robin was going on a bit or something and suddenly her little her little boy went no more no more no more no more no more you know and robin just like robin fell on the ground he was like he knew when it was time to turn it off oh nice that's sweet did he though it seems like he gave the kid a lot of material before <laughs> no <Exactly>. more. <laughs> I, that's funny because I, I had no idea that was a thing. I just was like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if? No, I know. I mean, you I, go I, a little something like this. 
I didn't think that you that you queued it up for that reason, and I and I never knew that until watching that clip last night. I was like, oh shit, like because that's not a movie that really worked. <laughs> Well, I didn't. I did. Erica narking on herself, by the way. Uh, the <laughs> the thing that gets me is is like I think it'd be it would be more natural to have that those roles switch, right? Have Ed Norton be like quote unquote the bad guy, and and have Robin Williams playing the endearing, um, the the you know more like heartwarming ish, uh, heart on sleeve optimist, and it does I think make it a better movie that is completely flipped. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, I agree. It's they did it through acting the other way around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. I, I don't know why this is the first thing that pops in my head every time I hear Edward Norton's voice in that, though. He, he kind of sounds like SpongeBob. Like he has the SpongeBob voice going. Where I mean, like a more a more realistic version of it, I guess. He's doing like the Tom Kenny a little bit. Where he's, he's like, like he's like SpongeBob if you uh, Photoshop like a human face on him. <laughs> <laughs> no, the voice, just the voice he's doing, where he he has this thing that like. I don't know. Just There's the like some... voice, Andy. Just the voice. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm visualizing what the voice would look like. Now I'm envisioning American History X with SpongeBob SquarePants in the lead. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> what year was American History X again? That was 99, I think. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right. Um. Yeah, That's I don't good know. Everybody. Yeah, I'm glad we, <laughs> glad we got through it. <laughs> no wonder he was in shape for uh, Smoochie then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was well, like, one of the lines that I was thinking of with the SpongeBob thing is he's like, "Let me tell you something. You pop a little bit of this liquid alfalfa in it, blast off time." Like he has this weird <laughs> yeah. thing that's like yeah. up and down that it's cartoonish. It's, I guess that's the only way to describe it. Um, the, the other, the other thing I think is really funny in that scene is uh, when Danny DeVito sits down when you don't know anything about him and he clearly like has just heard uh, from either like, you know, Variety Magazine or something, or I mean, I don't think it's from Frank Stokes. Like he's heard somewhere along the lines and, and realized that like, uh, you know, Smoochie's the new guy that he can represent. And you can see that they've done this over and over again, right? Like this is a corporation that they just kind of churn out these, uh, it's just like they churn out these children show hosts, break them kind of in, in a way, right? Like presumably the, um, presumably the uh, buggy, buggy, whatever, like that, that character at the end of it. Um, Presumably, he was the host before Robin Williams, or at a, at a time, or at least had one of their shows. So, like, and then he was broken by a heroin addiction. So it seems like they turn these people out, corrupt them, break them, and it's like a constant thing. And it's always Danny DeVito representing them, and they like kind of split the profits. So, like, there's this whole system going on that you kind of realize over the course of time. And uh, it's really funny that uh, you know uh, Sheldon's completely green behind the ears, and so when Danny DeVito says, um, he was like. Uh, that's the way these network goons operate. Now, look, I remember Stokes was trying to score a couple extra points in the merchandising. He said he has a warehouse full of dicky dolls. Now, Frank and I have been friends for years. So I said, okay, cock. And there's his eyes kind of like, because uh, he's not used to hearing that kind of language. Oh, I don't, language. Yeah. 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 So he's like, make a long story short. I just walk out of there with a check for 100K and he's sitting there with his thumb up his ass. And you like get this weird, like, uh, I, I think that Sheldon's like completely almost like enamored. Like, oh, this is someone who knows how to play the game. Like, this is someone who's like, you know, I'm failing at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he knows it's not his strong suit. Well, he's getting outmaneuvered by Nora, like with some degree of regularity and like clearly getting owned over mm -hmm. and over again. And he knows yeah. that that's not going to work for him. And not it's not means that he's not going to be able to do the kind of show he wants to do because he is very much an idealist. And, you know, he sees, he almost sees that on some reptilian brain level, like as a means to an end. 
you know, without mm-hmm. understanding the context of what you're doing when you make a deal with somebody like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a deal with the devil almost, but you know, um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting, right? Like you look for somebody uh, who's understands this, but in a world where people are that corrupt and are kind of these weird, either cartoon villains, because it doesn't seem like, like Randy, Randy, or Rainbow, Rainbow, Rainbow Randolph. Wow, I can't say anything tonight. <laughs> um, Rainbow Bryce, go on. Rainbow, yeah, Rainbow Randolph. Rainbow Randy Rhodes. Yeah. I'm on right. three hours of sleep, and they've been doing road work outside of my fucking window every day. Uh, yeah, sun was oh, in your eyes. No. We get it. Go ahead. <laughs> so, yeah, Rainbow Randolph. Um, not that I can say things anyway, but Rainbow Randolph, uh, as this kind of character, is a lot more, I think, kind of Batman villain or, like, cartoon villain. And these gangsters they have everywhere are kind of noirish or like, uh, like you know, it's that CD, like oh, the CD underbelly, and like all of it is obviously amped up by a lot. But like, in in the case of uh, you know, the the underworld figures or whatever, like it feels a lot more like a, a parody almost of a noir film. Even the uh, the lighting on uh, Harvey Firestein, like like it's all done in shadow mm-hmm. and uh, with the blinds, the Venetian yeah. blinds. Yeah. Wonderfully shot, too. I feel like it has just a little bit of a feel to, uh, and I think I, I'm racking my brain. I think Danny DeVito directed Matilda also. He, he did. Okay. Thank you. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's a, like just that little touch of campiness or something that, that's like that was in that film that, you know, I, I find in this one too. Yeah. I wish no, you'd do more films. This is definitely this is definitely really campy. Um, this is the one where Mara Wilson's like a telekinetic kid or something, right? Mm-hmm. It's a great story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh man, yeah. I, seen that. I think I saw that when I came out. Yeah, I read the book a zillion times as a kid. It was great, but yeah, nice. But anyway, yeah, I I like his directing style. I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, and yeah. I see the theme. Another another theme that I've wanted to bring up, and this is something I guess I'll throw to Andy to talk about, but uh, the. So the scenes where they're kind of off and no longer, um, what, what was that look? What? Uh, no, no, Conan was like. No, I, I was oh, like, Conan. oh, Andy. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, like, oh, no, did I, I make a face? That's a lot of looks, man. <laughs> like, wait, wait, did I make the wrong catching face? <laughs> no, um, so Conan it's part of my charm. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to bring this up with you because I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts on it. Um, the scenes, obviously, where they're in the children's studio are all in these, even, even in the offices in the children's studio are these bright colors. And obviously, like, the suit is a bright color, and everybody's wearing these bright colors. It's a stage set. I mean, you know, for, you know, for, like, any children's show really is like that. But then when you when you cut to them in other places, they're always kind of a lot more muted. Like, there is a lot of juxtaposition, I think. And the first time you really see that is when it goes directly from the Friends Come in All Sizes dance or whatever, and the products or whatever. It cuts right to a restaurant, and the restaurant's dark. And, uh, you know, Ron Williams no longer wearing his bright rainbow suit, obviously, because it'd be weird to be wearing that in a restaurant. But, you know, he's just in regular clothes and everything's kind of... Dr. Conan. <laughs> right here and I can hear you. <laughs> I pointed the wrong way. <laughs> well, you went to, you, you went to dinner and that, when you're wearing that big rainbow jacket. And, you know, I just wanted to hint at it. No, but like, so the, the juxtaposition, I think, between all of those scenes, the real the behind the scenes stuff where they're not in the studio anymore and the children's show are like incredible i think no no it's it's uh you know that kind of contrast you know heightens everything and kind of plays it up uh you know to to make the cartoonishness more cartoonish and to make the dark stuff um more dark even though it's 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 also kind of ridiculous at the same time 
you know, because like, like, you know, the dialogue in those scenes are just so over the top with, with like, you know, you know, I got your little booger eater and the, you know, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> the delivery of it. Uh, you know, Harvey Firestein just, just like being the villain, you know, cause normally he's just like, I'm Harvey Firestein. And, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, oh, is that what he's like? <laughs> he says like, it all the time. He's known for saying. Yeah. I mean, it's. it's I'm not going to go into this movie fire? unless I can see. I'm Harvey uh, Harvey Firestein at least once. Right in the script, or I'm walking. <laughs> in my contract. It's in my contract. <laughs> but you know, there, there there's a there's a lot more like a, a uh, um you know musical theater kind of presence that he brings to his characters, which is not in this part. But he's just hamming it up as the the complete over the top villain. And it's and the juxtaposition between those bright colors and like like the the uh you know the deep shadows really does kind of um play up you know uh who these characters are and whatnot um uh, and it just you know it, it is great how they did that yeah deep, deep shadows is my favorite uh Chinese knockoff of uh dark shadows actually there's also the uh there's there's the the chinatown reference kind of to like really hammer it home when they find uh you know spinner's body in the in the ran in the rhino suit and they're in the middle of chinatown like that's definitely a reference to oh yeah, uh, 100%. yeah. oh and i love i love the uh the, the the uh ice skating play that's put on at the end where all of a sudden all the signs are in chinese <laughs> yeah and that whole thing is really funny also because right before that he's being chased by a bunch of nazis on skates <laughs> As tends to happen. <laughs> yeah, I think Mel Brooks did that too. Hitler I, I, on ice. But watching, <laughs> watching the, the clip of uh, oh yeah, he did. But uh, <laughs> watching the clip of, uh, of of the figure skating part of it, right? Like you really start to understand they had to build these. Literally, what is the spectacle of uh, you know, like ice skating? And it's the same, or you know, those ice shows. I mean, like you know, and they still do them all the time, like Disney on Ice. Cinderella on ice. Like they have them. Teenage constantly. Mutant Ninja Turtles, which that's real, by the way. I saw a commercial for it. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, no, Kevin Eastman wow, loved indeed. that stuff too. Breaking Bad on ice. <laughs> on ice. Oh, that's, always, always, that's always the bit like the Nuremberg trials on ice. <laughs> Personally, I don't see the appeal. <laughs> well, Just but making it, is, it cold. It's this, it's this really gaudy, um, you know, style of really gaudy spectacle based, uh, you know, style of entertainment. Like I, that was huge around yeah. that time too. Mm -hmm. They were putting everything mm -hmm. quote unquote on ice, right? Like it was like, oh, that's when they started doing like the Disney films. They tried, everything was, it was whatever it is. Like they had to cash in with like the ice show. Cause the kids love that stuff. You know? Yeah. Disney yeah. junior, you know, hardcore advertising on, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, because uh, that, that was even a couple years later. Because you know, I didn't have kids at the, when this came out, but uh, a few years later, you know, watching. Yeah, Disney they were Junior. they were conceived at the ice show, weren't they, Andy? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, all the Zamboni. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's spectacle really <laughs> so becomes... romantic. Conceived <laughs> on the Zamboni. <laughs> Let's not let that one fly past. That's pretty good. <laughs> they call them Zamboni babies. <laughs> it's a whole generation. Some people were conceived in a crossfire hurricane. Some were conceived in a zamboni. You know, it's not judging. Oh wow. Um. Yeah. So there's this whole. I think you know, kind of middle class. It would have been better if your kid had actually been in the background when you had said that. That would have been better. But 
It was pretty good. I was gonna say it's, it's fine. Moment pass. It's all right. Oh, um, it is in the background. <laughs> like Move. parents, parents can really start to afford. I mean, you know, they're middle class parents usually. Uh, probably upper middle class, at least like mid middle class. You know what I mean? Like they can kind of afford these tickets and. Companies like Disney start realizing that, you know, they can rake in so much fucking money. Number one, by having the theme parks like, you know, Disney World, mm-hmm. Disneyland, Nickelodeon started making some of those around this time too, like, uh, you know, with like characters like SpongeBob and stuff. And they started making them in like mm-hmm. minor cities. Like every little region had like, a, oh, you could come to this, this, uh, you know, Nickelodeon slime park or something. Like on the other side of that. <laughs> it's disgusting. They, ha- they had those. I'm not even kidding. When I went to California, I believe you. of course, of course they do. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't think she was doubting you. She was laughing. At the <laughs> but they also have. The no, movie. I will show you. I'll show you pictures. Okay, we believe you. Sounds like a personal <laughs> nightmare for me. Is all that's. <laughs> but I guess some people are into some stuff, you know. <laughs> um. So they also have. The- it was my personal <laughs> Holocaust, actually. The slimy <laughs> theme park, but. Sorry, Forrest. Hey, you were saying. Well- <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, we're making it for lost time. First, first part of the show was basically him and Danny talking for half of it. It was great. Oh. Well, you know what? When I'm not on the show, it's me listening to Danny on American Prestige Podcast. That's right. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll turn play. this off and go listen to that. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So, so there's. It's like kind of expecting. Um, Kids aren't going to really understand like the opera or Broadway or anything like that. Like, what but can we put it on ice and they get it? Ah, it's on ice. <laughs> I understand. Romeo and Juliet on ice. Um, no, but like you know, but like they will want to drag their parents to go see these really gaudy, uh, over the top shows where their favorite characters are on ice, and that kind of becomes these giant spectacles. And it's really funny to kind of set a a scene where you know that uh, you know Smoochie's probably going to get shot or someone's going to get shot, and to have uh. Uh, buggy, buggy, bump, whatever, whatever is there. Like to have him sitting on top of the the thing, you know what I mean? Like in, in the background of it, um, like like over it or whatever, nodding out. I'm fucking, you know, strung out as fuck. Like, uh, with his fucking giant, like you know, like sniper rifle or whatever. Like, and in this huge spectacle that already people don't notice anything. Like if you have the the laser beam, like they assume, oh, that's one of the lights that are, are you know, in this mm-hmm. giant palace of spectacle anyway. So it's like. It's almost like in at the end of Naked Gun where they do everything through the uh, you know the baseball field, but like twenty years later they're doing it through like uh, this giant ice show, and there's no reason for it. It's terribly wasteful to like build these things. You know what I mean? Like there, there's so many of them coming around this time. Like you know, it's well, just, there is a reason for it. It's money because people. Yeah, but I'm saying like there's no. Money. That's the reason. Yeah. No, I mean, that I goes back to the ethical capitalism thing you're talking about, too, right? About how, like, mm-hmm. the whole thing with Ed Norton's character is like, is like, no, well, we want it, you know, it needs to be like pure. It needs to be like, we need to be making money on this and not be exploitive about it. And and the idea of like, you know, the ice show is sort of like that. That That's sort of the ultimate like punchline for the joke around that time because that was sort of the thing of like, wow, everything's got an ice show now. Like, what else are they going to put on ice? <laughs> it's like every company's got a seltzer now. Exactly. <laughs> I, I was drinking that stuff. Yeah, it is on ice. White Claw on ice. <laughs> I was drinking that stuff way before it was trendy, and I'll be drinking it way long after it is. Regular cells are not my clock. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, so I just, I, I find. Uh, Except for a black cloud becomes a sponsor of Moving Extravaganza, which I'll drink them gladly. Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws. <laughs> See, we've said it already. Um, 
Do you ever see that? There's a there's a video of this of this kid that was like uh, he made a video and White Claw told him to take it down, which is hilarious because so many people learned about White Claw from this kid's videos. And he's driving a car and he's like, "Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws, baby." And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> I can see where they might want that taken down, <laughs> but that also sounds hilarious at the same time. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, we so, maybe don't want that to be representing our product, but thank you. But take it down immediately, or you know, we'll litigate. Uh, <laughs> but, in like, but in like summer 2019 or something, everybody was yelling that, and like, <laughs> so much. It probably did so much, uh, like like so much merchandising for White Claw as a company. But at the same time, they're like, oh man, you're like in the car for part of it. And like, <laughs> ethical concerns. Maybe people should not be drinking and driving. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe they shouldn't be. Yes, that, that, that's that quote. Yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, another line that I really like uh, Sheldon, Sheldon spinning the, the chamber of the gun, and he goes, <laughs> you know what the song says? We all have our bad days. <laughs> when you're um, drinking and driving. <laughs> yeah. With white claws. But there was no laws. I was drinking a claw. Um, exactly. <laughs> Everyone knows it. It's convenient. <laughs> there are no laws when you're drinking and driving. It's like the first rule of shotgun. <laughs> yes. You must give up the seat. But yeah, like, I, I, was it was you can't you can't legally be arrested in that one era but area between Montana and Idaho because it's not a state. You guys familiar with that <laughs> concept? There's a part of Yellowstone that is uh, like between Idaho and Montana, and apparently there's a there's a working theory that's like a, like three three or four mile square area that because it is not legally any part of any state and is not in fact federal land at the same time, it's like a paradox that means that no laws apply and you can legally murder people there. <laughs> It's this not is a federal thing. land. I'm, I'm not making this. No, it, it's not technically it's, federal land, and it's not technically state land either. Like it's just weird. It's well, that, that happens in the uh, town I was growing up in, in Texas. Uh, was a dry county, which means no alcohol could be sold. Mm -hmm. And uh, but because there were parts of the county that were unincorporated, uh, there was a honky tonk just over the border where um, they, they had an open, you know, where they had a bar and and you know whatever um, the dance floor. And that's where everybody went to party. <laughs> mm. right. Really tore up that tore up mm. those that dance floor with their boots and uh yeah, no man, line dancing like line hell. dance, yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll take I guess I'll take credit for that derivation. But yeah, that that, that zone between my it look at it look it up. In fact, I think they actually use as the basis for like uh like one of these like murder, murder, murder shows that like you know they couldn't prosecute because oh is it a federal prosecution or is it in the state of Montana or state of Idaho? Well, not all the really because blah, blah, blah. And that's like you know suddenly onto like Star Trek ethical concerns about uh, violating the prime directive. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, someone pointed this out to me uh, on Twitter that this is kind of this movie is kind of cut in half, right? Like the first half is hilarious, but it's like two different halves of a movie, and it kind of I think uh, it, it kind of cuts in half. Um, I, I guess after the whole Nazi thing, I'm trying to see if there's other scenes that I that I would throw in there, but um, I think I think yeah, like when when Mucci gets killed, kind of right, and then. Like the action kind of heats up for the second half of the movie, and it it, it feels like a lot for Mucci. <laughs> <laughs> he was so Next excited guy. to go back to the Coliseum too. 
he was I wonder how sad. much direction that guy had versus how much he created that character because holy crap it's hard to imagine somebody being able to direct someone to do what he did with that, with that character just like so over the top yeah maybe, maybe just give like a uh, some real world examples i guess you can, you can give. I, mean, <laughs> I mean i guess yeah that's a rough sport i think this is, the, this is the last the last kind of clip i have which uh i think this is where ron williams says it um he says something like what's this character and uh and Danny DeVito said, uh, I don't know, you're playing him. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. So, <laughs> whatever actor yearns to hear. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that's this, this clip. I wouldn't know. Uh... I went and saw the movie Death uh, Smoochie, and I really enjoyed it. It's fantastic. It's very entertaining, very funny. You're fantastic in it as well. It's a wonderful kind of nasty movie directed yeah. by <laughs> people going, really? It, but it, it's, it's like it was, it was so great to see you in this kind of a, a part. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it's, you know, because it's like it's Danny DeVito, who mm -hmm. is a, a nasty, funny man. Mm -hmm. Basically a troll without a bridge, you know? <laughs> <laughs> And this is kind of like, you know, Brian De Palma directed Barney, you know? <laughs> I shoot you, you <laughs> And, and, and uh, dude, uh, tell people what, what the story well, it's is. It's also written by one of your former writers. A great guy, a very funny guy, Adam Resnick. Yes, sir. Worked with us for many years. Many years. Writing film. Wrote a movie that you did. That's right. Yes. Cabin Boy. Yes! <laughs> Thank you. Well, this... This guy is, is, is so funny and so entertaining to, to be around, and his attitude is so great. If he called up and said, we're doing Cabin Boy 2, would you like to join us? I'd say, sure, I'm there. I put count me in. And what are the odds of them doing Cabin well, Boy 2? I don't, I don't know. That. You and me in return to Club Paradise. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we're going back. <laughs> this time without the ganja. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> that was like, ooh. <laughs> Tell people what, what the story is. The story is basically about the, the darker side of children's television mm -hmm. and people going really um i play uh, a kitty show host rainbow randolph who is like a, if uh, liberace had a child with mr rogers mm -hmm. <laughs> and that, i don't know a lot of people going maybe <laughs> if michael jackson could be a best man <laughs> um, and then i lose my job and then they hire ed norton who's just totally politically correct, mm -hmm. wonderful, sweet character who is basically a rhino. I mean, he dresses as the right. rhino, and he hosts the children's show, and I do anything in my power to destroy him. Right. When, when you were on top as the kids' show host, you, you were uh, deeply corrupt. You deeply were, corrupt, yeah, yes. Yeah. A lot of payola. I was there. I'd, I'd put any kid in the front for a buck, you know. <laughs> just like you did with those it's people right there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta make ends meet. him so much oh my god i guess it wasn't that clip where he was talking about that but he goes on to roast that lady and he's like <laughs> he's like he's like I, there's no way you got in here without paying and then he, he's like or something and then he's like she's like oh my they're gonna they're gonna let me stay or something and those, right, those right, right. <laughs> I, I saw vance gilbert do that once to somebody in the audience he's just like he, he he gets up there and he's like i love playing music to the seas of white people and this this uh this woman starts like, screaming like crazy, and he's like, and like there's that woman over there who's way too excited for this. Um, she ain't black, but with that curly hair, I think she thinks she's black. 
I mean, comedians always play to the audience, but it's funny when it's on something like David Letterman. Yes. Where, you know, you don't usually see that. It's not really like stand up. Yeah, you don't see a lot of crowd work on uh... <laughs> <laughs> no. like late night talk show. Should I, bring back crowd work for late night talk shows. We have comedians in this show. Let's 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 give them our advice. We've sure lost the master it. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, please, podcasters and musicians. Yeah, tell me what I should do with my comedy. Thank you. <laughs> um. Yeah. So it, it's it's really interesting to see him kind of doing that rapid fire delivery on Letterman, and then to hear Edward Norton have talked about how he was kind of like a like kind of a, a master technician because it feels like a lot of what he does is improv and it's not, but like some of it definitely is, but like, it feels like it always feels like he's just coming up. Like even in movies, it feels like he's just kind of coming up with these things as he goes along. And I'm sure he kind of workshops uh, script, like scripts that are already done. He also was a stand up comedian and he went back to it around this time, I guess, and, and started like playing, you know, I mean, when is a celebrity stand up comedian, like going back to it, like, you're like, all right, how much really is it? You know, whatever. But um, he talks about it for the first 15 minutes, of this, and then talks about death of Smoochie for the last, I don't know, like 30, 30 seconds, <laughs> two minutes, something like that. Yeah. I mean, like it's, you know, there, there's that, uh, I think it's a two-part documentary that, that on Robin Williams. I forget what it's called. We, we saw that like uh, last year. I thought it was really good. You know, he's an interesting cat, obviously plagued by, uh, you know, severe deep depression, but like, you know, when he was <laughs> some of the manic parts you got to worry about. Right. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, he was he was bipolar, but when he actually ended up committing suicide, um, he had and this this kind of takes it down a, a lot. But what they found out after the fact is that he had Lewy body dementia and his brain was actually yeah. uh, pretty, pretty eroded away. He was going back and forth to doctors for two years. And the doctor was like, look, we can tell that there's been like damage, like it's degenerating, but we don't know what it is. So yeah, you are going. You are going to become something that is not who you are anymore. Mm -hmm. Basically, wow. Yeah. And so he finally decided before it got too bad. He was starting to lose control of his motor skills uh, to commit suicide. But it, it gets a lot of people talk about kind of him as like an example of depression, and he he was like definitely. I mean, he was an addict that was bipolar, but that that yeah. didn't seem like that was what led like led him towards that suicide route. Like it's not. I don't think yeah, that talking about it that way is necessarily like helpful to people because it's not like he was hiding that that pain. It's that you know by the time he actually did commit suicide, like it was just pain that had degenerated through him so much that there there wasn't going to be there's, like you can't do anything for dementia. Like yeah, you, same you can, thing happened with yeah. uh, the great um, uh, Terry Pratchett, who who was actually very open about uh, that he was going to commit suicide whenever it, it whenever his dementia got to a point where he couldn't deal with it anymore. Um, I mean, and, why, why wouldn't you in some ways like it logically makes sense that if like because if you absolutely. are someone that, like your brain is so much of who you are right like yeah brain... and he, he he's like um spent the last several years of his life um he actually passed away of natural causes but he, he did spend the last several years of his life like touring everywhere and just meeting all of his fans and basically publicly mourning his his own passing before he had a chance to so very open about it um wow. i got to see him speak for an hour and it was incredible just just to hear him like just be so frank about you know death and whatnot so when he died it was it was almost a celebration um still sad because he was great uh mm -hmm. this old books fantastic read them but uh you know i, I kind of wish robin williams was able to uh actually talk openly about like why he did it so, because i think that's important yeah well his wife was still alive and she did and she was like 
you know, they did the autopsy and they're like, but nobody well, listens to her. <laughs> no, but so, so they did the autopsy and uh, they were like, oh, this is this is Louis body dementia. Like, by the way, like that is a diagnosis. So it's kind of this incredibly bittersweet moment where it's like, oh, wow, he really was suffering through this. Like he didn't do this for, you know, like whatever reasons, like he wasn't uh, he was he was right that he was degenerating. But like to know that after the fact, I mean, they wouldn't have been able to do anything about it anyway, though. It's like we, we don't understand very much about how brains and nervous systems and everything work. Like we don't we're yeah. actually for, for everything we've come up with, with like viruses, like, you know, fighting them, uh, you know, um, like sickness in general, all these different things. Like that's something that has barely been delved into. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, pulling out for the for the man himself. Yeah, and look under your seat. You'll find your uh, Kool-Aid that you can then drink at the end of the episode. <laughs> I just want to show magic rocket ship. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go into the away team. Erica hit it. Oh, I was just going to shout out to Fern Gully. (laughs) Just like this movie that he did. uh, Oh yeah. He wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. He did a voice in that. uh, When I was very little, I was like, I think that was one of the first things that I was like, Oh, Robin Williams like recognized him for, uh, even because I wasn't old enough for Mork and Mindy, like I would see reruns of it here and yeah. there, but like I don't think I really got who he was until that movie. And then you know he did Aladdin, and then like all. But what is that movie about? Stuff. Like a lizard discovers the power of recycling or something? What's what is that about? I don't. I remember anything about it. I remember. <laughs> uh, well, okay, it's been a very long time since I've seen it, but yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a. Fine, it's been a while since you've seen this movie, and you're talking about that one too. <laughs> Okay, okay. Um, I coaxed her on, people. I coaxed her on. <laughs> no, it's, it's, a, it's a climate change movie. Uh, yeah, no, it's about okay. like <laughs> forest destruction. I, I know it's not about a lizard uh, discovering the power of recycling. That was it's true. some <laughs> some guy who I guess is doing like, I don't know, it's not construction work exactly. They're like cutting down trees, but I guess it's in, in the, like with construction in mind or whatever of buildings or something. And he gets shrunk down somehow. And then he's the same size as the forest fairies. And and there's a bat who's and friends they beat with his the ass? fairy. Will he beat their ass with the bat? Oh, no, a bat like an animal. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Robin Williams' character is a bat. Ah, gotcha. Okay, cool. And he's on fire the whole time, just like Robin, Robin Williams, yeah. you know, true to form. Anyway, I was and talking like, to somebody about it yesterday, which is why it's in my mind. There's like there's like fairies in it too like you know it's that kind of concept of like oh we don't actually know what's happening in the you know the rainforest like yeah we don't know what we're cutting down and destroying exactly yeah yeah yeah, totally and like the the one place that magic is really left is not in these like huge because one of the scenes i remember is like the trees getting cut down these huge industrial machines that are like uh incredibly inhuman and like just you know robotic and and going through like these things you can see like this hell that's been created from uh, like all these trees getting cut down and mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, well the one place the magic was really is the rainforest. And now we're kind of cutting through it and we'll never really know that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I watched it a couple times as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, you need to force Bolsonaro to watch that movie. <laughs> Bol- Bolsonaro. No, there's. <laughs> <Bolsonaro>. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So I guess, you know, we've talked through this movie, uh, you know, Conan's got a, Zamboni, Zamboni conceive. <laughs> I gotta go conceive on a Zamboni. Sorry, <laughs> he lived to conceive on a Zamboni. Come so here. Uh, but starting with Erica, so final, final thoughts. Uh, 
I my my thought is I I I love dark comedies and this one is just I just very top notch like I mean all the nuance in it the the contrast of the bright colors and the dark the noir elements I mean everything you guys said I really love I mean just it all comes together so nicely um and it's got a lot of actors that I really like too so and I think it's nice that uh, Harvey, what's his last name? Firestein? Firestein, yes. Yeah, he and Robin Williams were in Mrs. Doubtfire together. And they got to like yeah. reunite in this one. I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I spent so long since I've seen Mrs. Doubtfire. That's such a strange fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird. So they tried 90s. To remake it. They weird. tried to remake it uh, mm. with like a, a bunch of different other ways. There's actually a, I don't remember if it was a, a Hong Kong version. I think it's a Hong Kong remake of uh, of Mrs. Doubtfire. That's amazing. Okay. It's That's intriguing. Really, really yeah. amazing. I, 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 I'll look up what it's called and then put it in like the show notes. It's one of the it sounds like you're channeling Andy right now that you're, you're pulling this out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> I'm like, dang, I haven't heard of this. I want to see this now. Especially yeah. Asian yeah. cinema. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, moving on, Conan, final thoughts. I think this is a good movie. I think it's very funny. It's very, it's so very much a product of its time, but I think it's a, it, you know, it's a very funny black comedy that's, um, stylistically very rich there there's a lot to like here i think that it's uh it's maybe like i said i, I would go with it's a notch or two away from being really great but andy's also correct in the fact that it's a notch or two from falling apart as, as well but i kind of love that you know it, it's it's highly it's a highly watchable movie if this was a movie for some reason this movie never would come on cable but if this movie accidentally came on cable I'd be like oh hell yeah let's throw this on while i you know whatever wrap t-shirts or, or something yeah great that's a smoochie let's do it i don't have to think too hard about it get to laugh at the funny parts and be like oh yeah i forgot this character existed uh it's good and I, I'm, I'm glad that you know based on what i saw with the letterbox reviews that it feels like people are kind of discovering this on their own time because i don't think it i think it's, it was a victim of poor timing uh because there's certainly movies that are a lot worse than this that are remembered very fondly and Maybe shouldn't be, and that's all I'm going to say about that. But I dig it. It's a good movie. It's funny. I'm glad we did it, and I probably would not ever have suggested doing it. So I'm glad Bessner did. The the thought that really went into it, I feel like, uh, doesn't. It really is thoughtful. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, get I, I, from now. It's a deep satire, and the only thing I can think of is remotely close to it's not that close. It was like Shakes the Clown or something, right? Where it's just taking like this whole. Also with thing. Robin Williams. Uh, again, yeah, where, uh, you know, the, the mimes mimes versus clowns and like you're like, oh, what would that look like? You know, like it's kind of taking something you wouldn't expect and recontextualizing it to, you know, petty mundane beefs and catty -ness. People forget about it, but uh, that was the worst gang war that Coney Island ever saw. You know, mimes and clowns. <laughs> mimes and clowns. <laughs> <laughs> Most um, people won't talk about it. They're trying to keep trying to keep the real history away. They're talking about more and more. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, we got we got we got three minutes for Conan Ness to go. Andy, let's hear some rapid fire final song. Rapid fire, just just really quickly. This this movie reminded me very much of uh, David Grover, who was uh, who uh, passed away very recently at the age of sixty nine. David Grover. So on our sixty ninth episode, I kind of want to dedicate it to him. He was a uh, musician, nice. oh. performer, um, and uh, he he used to play with. Uh, um, uh, Woody, no, uh, Arlo Guthrie back in the day. Uh, oh, I thought Guthrie. you were talking about someone else that David Graver passed away recently, and I thought no, that's David Grover. I know uh, he passed away I, I back in November. Grover, of Grover from Sesame Street? <laughs> yes, no, no, David Grover. He was uh, 
he 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 was like one of those like regional um uh people that that and honestly he taught the country to be honest with you um uh he knew me because i worked at radio shack and would come in regularly and this uh right around when this movie came out and so this movie always kind of makes me think about the time my car broke down i was in the middle of nowhere where there's no cell signal i walked to the first door i could find and it was david grover's house and um he was like dressed only in a uh uh uh, bathrobe and I had you know let me use his phone because my car broke down and I I, I had to trudge like through waist deep snow to get to his doorstep. Wow. And it um, turns out he was a, a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. No, but you know, this just, just this movie makes me think back <laughs> like like all can what I, could have been going on with those groupies <laughs> in, yeah in this movie. So there you have it folks. There's your groupie story. Yeah indeed <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> All right, so my two lines, work, that I to pull, there's two lines that I wanted to pull. The first one is, uh, we didn't get to, nobody referenced it. You okay? And he goes, I don't know, I'm kind of fucked up in general, so it's hard to gauge. <laughs> That's, if, if you want to say something. I, I had that as one of the letterbox one-liners, but I thought for sure it would be referenced. I was like, nah, nah I don't, someone's going to reference that. I, I forgot about it myself. So It's extremely yeah. and, relatable. Uh, and my, yeah. especially right now, too. <laughs> is, but, yeah. And my, uh, my final one is, what are you going to do? Shoot me? That's not very smoochy-like behavior.